This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good Monday evening to one and all. 19th day of September. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you had a pretty good weekend. No matter who you are, no matter what team you root for, as long as it's a team in this city. But you enjoyed yourself. You had fun, especially Sunday. Don't get much better than that. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Tom Bauer, Julian Kushnick producing the program today. We're taking it for the next three, right up until 10 o'clock. Gordon and Larry after that. And as always, you can get me on Twitter at Dan Gross at G-R-A-C-A. This is one of those shows. Like, I, I, I knew as soon as I, you know, made it home last night after doing the Jet game all afternoon. And you thought about everything that, that transpired, not just with the Jets, and we'll have plenty to say about that. But then, of course, with the Giants and the rest of the week two crazy finishes in the NFL. And then the baseball teams taking care of business on Sunday. You know, when you have a day like yesterday, you look forward to doing a show on a night like tonight. Like, these are the ones that you think about when you want to do this for a living. And you say, boy, this is fun. You know, when everything comes together and everything works out the way it's supposed to, at least for 24 hours it did in this city, which we know has been, you know, few and far between. It goes without saying. And you got to go all the way back to 2009. 2009. The last time you had the Jets, the Giants, the Yankees, the Mets, all victorious on the same day. 13 years. Maybe the worm is turning a little bit, right? I mean, dare I say that, that, that maybe things are starting to turn collectively for the teams in this city? I mean, the Mets and the Yankees are both going to be in the playoffs. Mets can clinch a spot tonight, as a matter of fact. Not the division. They could just clinch a spot. Giants are off to a 2-0 starter to Brian Dable. What more can you ask for if you're a Giant fan, right? Doesn't matter how, how lopsided they were or how ugly the games were. It doesn't matter. You won the game. You're 2-0 for the first time in a good number of years. Enjoy it, take it, move on to the next week. And if you're the Jets, you know, you were this close to being 0-2. Same old Jets, woe is me. You know the refrain. I don't have to explain it to you. You know, Robert Sala, the receipts comment earlier in the week, and you're thinking, oh, well, came back to bite him. Typical performance from this football team. Can't rise to the occasion. Can't get the job done. Well, you know how the final two minutes turned out. One for the ages. One you're going to have in the time capsule if you are a Jet fan. Does it make it a little bit more sweeter? Yeah, probably, of course. You know, you probably would have been just as satisfied if the Jets went to Cleveland yesterday and won 45-3. to But the fact that they were counted out, the fact that you did think the game was over. Look, full disclosure, Chubb scores that touchdown. I'm not sitting there thinking about, oh, boy, he shouldn't have scored. Because you didn't think in your heart of hearts that deep down the Jets were even going to find a way to come back and score two touchdowns in that little amount of time. Chubb scores the touchdown. Greg Buttle and I looked at each other and said, well, this one's in the books. Well, here goes another postgame show where we're going to have to talk about another loss. I'm sitting there jotting notes down about where this game went awry for the Jets. Full disclosure talking about the mistakes they made in the second half. You know, fourth quarter, Cleveland wore them out. Jets had no answers for the run game in the final 15 minutes. Too many ill-advised penalties. They need to clean those up. What can they do to turn this thing around? And now you're thinking you're 0-2, and now you're in desperate straits. 
And then the improbable happened, right? Little by little. First, that missed extra point from Cade York, and you're thinking, boy, that's odd. But you still didn't think that the Jets had a shot. You still didn't think that they were going to win this football game. I mean, they were down 30-17, to 17, less than two minutes to play. Jets were having a hard time getting the ball in the end zone all afternoon. They're going to score twice in less than two minutes? No, of course not. But then that drive that culminates with Joe Flacco connecting with Corey Davis on a play where the Cleveland secondary, let's face it, they just went to sleep. Nothing more, nothing less. They went to sleep. 66-yard touchdown, Jets within one score. You say, okay. And in hindsight, what was key about that was it only took 33 seconds off the clock for a team that didn't have any timeouts, by the way. Let's not lose sight of that. That's what made this thing even more improbable. They had no timeouts, none. All Cleveland had to do was get the ball back. Once, game is over. And even when they get the, the Davis touchdown, convert the extra point, all right, fine, but now you got to convert the, ex- the onside kick. And we even had a caller that called up in the postgame show yesterday, and, and for those that didn't hear it, we discussed it then. The NFL a couple of years ago changed the rules, the competition committee, because the league is trying to make the game safer, and you know that that's been a strong initiative of theirs for a good number of years now, right? And one of the things that they did was they changed the structure of onside kicks, meaning teams now can't flood one side of the field with X number of players to ensure that they have a good chance of maybe recovering the onside kick because they think it leads to too many collisions. They want to keep guys safe. So now it's even harder to convert an onside kick. And give Braden Mann credit. You know, he faked he was going to kick it to the right. Instead, he booted it to the left, got the proper bounce. Jets guys were down there to create the collision, able to fall on top of it. They get the football. And Robert Salas said today, he was like, you know what, as soon as we got the football back, we knew that we were going to score. We knew that the game was over. Well, not that the game was over, but we knew that we were going to take it into the end zone and get the lead. Salah was a lot more confident than I was, maybe a lot of other people out there that are Jet fans, because you still had the ball at midfield. You still had 80 seconds, and you still had no timeouts, right? And it's, you know, a big leap of faith to say, oh, yeah, they're going to punch this thing in the end zone. But what worked out about the whole thing is that even though they were dinking and dunking the ball down the field, they were able to get out of bounds. They were able to keep stopping the clock. And I don't know what Cleveland was thinking about defensively. They were trying to keep everything in front of them. They probably didn't want somebody to streak past the last line of defense like Corey Davis did on that touchdown in the previous sequence. And that allowed the Jets to just move the ball down the field and get some yards and then in turn also stop the clock. And then when Flacco hit Garrett Wilson for that poster out there, boom. Couldn't believe it. Like, what happened? How did this happen? Incredible. And then you hold your breath because Greg Zerline's got to make the extra point. Greg Zerline already missed an extra point last week against the Baltimore Ravens, right? Nothing is over until it's over. Then he sinks the PAT, and you're thinking, wow, the Jets have a lead. They actually have a lead, but... Again, game not over yet. There's still 22 seconds left. Cleveland gets the ball to 25. First down, Jacoby Brissett runs 21 yards. And Brissett, by the way, played a good game. You know, when the schedule came out and Watson got suspended, you were looking at this Week 2 game as maybe an opportunity for the Jets to win because it wasn't going to be Watson. It was Jacoby Brissett. Brissett actually played pretty good yesterday. You know, before that final pass, he was 22 of 26. Over 200 yards. Made plays with his feet, made plays with his arm. I thought Brissett actually had a really, really good game. 
So he gets the ball to the 46-yard line. They still had a timeout in their pocket. They probably had time for at least maybe one more throw, get a little bit closer for a long field goal. And remember, Cade York, their kicker, who just missed the point after try, guy made a 58-yard field goal last week in Carolina to win the game for them in the final second. So you knew that he had the leg. Nothing is over until it's over. And when he dropped back and he floated that one over the middle that was picked off by Ashton Davis. And how about Ashton Davis? He's kind of, you know, on the outs as far as the rotation is concerned on defense and in that secondary. That was the only defensive snap that Ashton Davis was on the field for the entire afternoon. You talk about efficiency. You talk about making an impact. You're on the field for one lousy, stinking play, and you have a game-sealing interception. Ashton Davis can hang on to that one for the next several days and feel good about himself. And Ashton Davis, unlike Nick Chubb, went down to the ground to seal the game. And somehow, someway, the Jets got a victory. Somehow, someway, that 13-game September losing streak is now a thing of the past. Think of 13 games. September 2018, the last time they won a game in the first month of the season. So now you don't have to worry about going into October still waiting for that first win. You got one under your belt. You got one in your pocket. And how big was it? Well, only time will tell. But on the surface, I could tell you this. Remember the NFL added an extra wildcard team in 2020, right? So this is now year three of the new playoff format where you have seven playoff teams in each conference. Since the NFL added that extra wildcard team, the previous two seasons, no team that started the year 0-2 has made the playoffs. I know it's a small sample size. I know it's only two years. But the Jets were this close to being 0-2 and maybe being a part of that statistic. Not saying they're going to make the playoffs. Not saying they aren't going to make the playoffs. But unfortunately, they would have fell into that category if they did not stage, with help from the Browns, of course, that incredible comeback. And full disclosure, look, hindsight is twenty twenty. This is Monday morning quarterback, all those things. When Chubb scored that touchdown, not myself, not Greg, not any of us who were in the studio yesterday, none of us said, oh, boy, he should have went down. He shouldn't have scored that touchdown because at the time he thought the game was over. You thought it was over. And you know what? It's not even like he goes down. Even if he goes out of bounds, as long as he just doesn't go into the end zone and then force to give the ball back to the Jets, the game would have been over. Just don't get in the end zone. And nobody on the Jets was keyed to that either. It's not like the Jet coaches were telling their defense, hey, you know, let him score. That wasn't being drilled into their head either. It was a fortuitous sequence of events, one that happens probably every 20 years. So there are a lot of things to clean up? Absolutely. Did they get a little bit of an assist? Absolutely. But you got to take advantage of those opportunities. you got to capitalize on the other team's mistakes, no matter how glaring or how innocent they may appear to be at the time. And if you're a fan, hey, it's probably as good a Monday as you've had in quite some time. And we got an entire week to talk about next weekend against Cincinnati and what does this mean and how do you string two wins together. And, yeah, of course you want to string wins together. That's how you graduate from bad team to good team. Good teams win consecutive games, right? That's how you have sustained success. But today you can enjoy this one. Today you can bask in it. You got plenty of time to worry about what lies ahead. But you know what you do have? Got some hope. 
Got some purpose. Got some life. And after 58 minutes or thereabouts in that game yesterday, those are things you didn't have if you were a Jet fan. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll start with them, of course, tonight. Because they are the story out of all the New York teams just because it happened yesterday. We'll do plenty on the baseball with the Mets and the Yankees. Mets in action tonight. Scherzer back on the bump off the IL. They could clinch a playoff spot with a win over the Brewers. Going to be tough facing Corbin Burns, reigning a National League Cy Young Award winner. Yankees are off the welcome in the Pirates. Boy, the Pirates can't get out of this city fast enough, right? They get swept four games by the Mets. Now they got to spend a Monday off day in this town. And then go play the Yankees for two more days. And, of course, the story is going to be Aaron Judge. And his assault on the record books. We'll have plenty to say about them. And a great job by the Giants. We're not going to forget about the Giants. They're going to get plenty of talk tonight. They're 2-0. and That hasn't happened in a while. I didn't think they would get the job done yesterday. I picked Carolina. Still almost covered because it was two and a half. But I thought the Giants were going to have a little bit of a slip-up yesterday. Nearly happened, but it didn't. And good for the Giants. And good for Dayball, and good for everybody. Winning is the bottom line. And as good as a Jet fan feels today, Giant fan, you got to feel pretty good too because you're 2-0. It's an overreaction Monday. We love overreaction Mondays. We'll hear from you next. Dan Grasser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Flacco in the shotgun. Takes the snap, drops back. At the Jet 25-yard line, looks downfield. Heaves a bomb down the right sideline. Corey Davis behind the defense. He's going to score. Here is the Jet onside kick try. Braden Mann wants it left. It takes a hop, gets to the sideline. It's loose. There's a scramble for it. The Jets think they have it. They do! Flacco takes the shotgun snap and drops. Looks up the seam, fires, caught! Touchdown! Garrett Wilson scores! Out of the hole to Braden Mann. The placement down. The kick on the way. Down the middle and good! Reset fires one up the seam. Intercepted by Ashton Davis. And that'll do it. Ashton Davis takes a knee. And the Jets will win it here in Cleveland. Don't get much better than that. You get goosebumps all over again, don't you? Dan Grass's show, 98.7 ESPN. Bob on top of his game as per usual. Great job by Anthony Pusick putting that together in the aftermath of what was a crazy, crazy come from behind win. By the way, one other thing that I, I, I failed to mention, and I wonder how many of you felt along the lines that I did. 
When Flacco puts that bomb in the air to Corey Davis, it felt like the ball was in the air for about an hour, okay? And I don't think it's any secret to anybody that has followed this team that Corey Davis has had his issues time to time when it comes to drops, right? We saw it last week against the Baltimore Ravens. How many of you thought at that point that you were just hoping Corey Davis would catch the football? Forget about whether he would take it to the house. How about just catch the football? Because I was holding my breath when that ball was in the air. I don't know about you. And then, of course, the rest of the defense went to sleep. So as soon as he secured the ball, he was able to walk into the end zone. Because, again, at that point, you're not thinking they're going to win this game. Even if he catches the ball, even if he goes into the end zone, that's great. They're still down another score. And the hardest part of anything affiliated with this comeback was the onside kick, and that was still to come. Right, you could say I'm down two touchdowns. The hardest sequence in this whole formula is the onside kick and executing that. And obviously, all of the things that you heard there from the cuts that we played to what we talked about at the beginning of the show, if one of them, just one of them, does not go the way of the Jets, they don't win the game. Just one. That's how perfect it had to all line up. And it did, at least for one afternoon. All right, let's hear from you guys, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. I'd heard from him yesterday in the postgame show. Let's talk to Artie in Brooklyn. He's first up here on 9870 ESPN. Art, how are we feeling? Hi, right, how's it going? Good. I called you earlier. <laughs> Art. Hey. What's you up, know, buddy? I can't get enough. I cannot get enough of calling you guys talking about this game. I can't. It's just amazing. I still can't believe it. I have to watch it over and over and over again. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every year. It doesn't happen every 10 years. (laughs) It's a perfect perfect storm, like you said, all these things. And I had so many. The number one point is that how many Jeff fans, think about this, how many Jeff fans would not have seen it if it was at MetLife Stadium? It would have been in the parking lot. 100%. And I would have been one of them. How many Cleveland fans didn't see it yesterday? They left. They left. Yep. And the other two things, too, the fans were caught. Like, I was one of them that wanted white. But think about the bashing that Saleh took, that the offensive lineman, the rookie, that you didn't, what we didn't also mention, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, The the man, Shank Punt, right? He Mm -hmm. not only throws a seed for the fake, which if not worked, Saleh would have got killed. Zerline kicking a field goal from 57 yards. He got destroyed for missing extra points and field goals. And that lineman hustling. Four Cleveland Browns were there, right there. It was almost like the opposite of last week. And he got that ball. Okay? And think about also this. Flacco made mistakes in that drive. He threw passes that would have burned the clock. And for once, the drops. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy, Dan. It's so crazy. The Tyler Conklin drop. It was, the right. Tyler Conklin I mean, drop was a good drop. Yeah, good drops. Good drops. And the thing is, and, and the thing about what you said with Ashton Davis, I'm a coach, and I tell the kids, listen, you don't know when you're going to get a chance to play, but you can't sit there and mope. And that dude didn't mope, and he was in the proper position and stuff. Nobody sounds plays it. If that was a completed pass, or if they completed one more pass for 20 yards, they would have had a field goal from 57, the same guy that kicked it last last week. All right, thanks for taking the call, Dan. I appreciate it, man. Art, be good. Enjoy the win. You know, it's funny. All those things he mentioned, like, we don't even talk about the fake punt because it happened in the first half. 
Like, so many things took place in the final two minutes of the game that you forget about the fake punt because that felt like it happened last year, right? It didn't necessarily factor in entirely. And he mentioned the fumble that Max Mitchell, the rookie, uh, rookie right tackle, fell on top of just to continue possession for the Jets. And, you know, I, I wanted to mention that, too. First of all, it, to be fair, Jadavion Clowney leaving that game in the second half for Cleveland was big. He turned his ankle, didn't play the rest of the game. And as a matter of fact, Cleveland plays on Thursday against the Steelers. He's already been ruled out of that game. Kevin Stefanski, their coach, said it today. So Clowney, him leaving that game, I think it was in the third quarter. It might have been the fourth, but I'm pretty sure it was the third. Him leaving that game had a big impact on the Browns and what they were doing defensively because the Jets then could double-team Miles Garrett. Because the danger that you have is that when you have Garrett on one side and Clowney on the other, if you want to double-team Garrett, then you're leaving Clowney one-on-one to go wreak havoc. If you want to double-team Clowney, then you got Garrett over there to wreak havoc. So it's like pick your poison. Jets were able to do those things in the last couple of minutes because Cleveland didn't have one of their feared pass rushers coming off one of those edges. And speaking of Max Mitchell, let's give credit where credit is due. Has he been Jonathan Ogden the first couple of weeks? No, he is not. Right? Is he been Willie Rofe? No. But Max Mitchell has held up pretty well. For a guy who was a, you know, mid-round draft choice, essentially was probably going to use 2022 as a redshirt season, was very unlikely to even see the field in any sort of significant capacity. This is a guy who gets stepped in, or gets pressed into starting duties week one because of injuries. And two games against the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, he's actually done a halfway decent job. And for those of you that are proponents of pro football focus and the grades, which, you know, look, they're there, they're tools, but sometimes it can be deceiving. You know, that's how I view it personally. You know, it's like a guide. It's a tool. I compare pro football focus to when we were kids and you'd have like book reports and stuff to do. You have to read books. You know, the Cliff's Notes. I don't even know if they still have Cliff Notes. But... That's what I refer to pro football focus as. It's there for you. It's an option. It's an aid. It's a guide. But it's not the same thing as actually reading the book. You know, you can read the Cliff's Notes, but you're not going to get the same impact and the same absorption of the materials if you read the actual book. That's PFF. Watch the game. Form your own opinion. These numbers, in my opinion, they're subjective. But Max Mitchell... He is actually, so far through two weeks this year, graded out as the highest-rated rookie offensive tackle in the entire National Football League. That's even higher than Evan Neal of the Giants, who was a top-ten pick, and Iggy Okwanu, the left tackle for the Carolina Panthers, who was also a top-ten pick. And here's Max Mitchell grading out higher than them the first couple of weeks of the season. Now when Dwayne Brown comes back, if he comes back, that's a good prompt to have if you're the Jets because you know that... When Max Mitchell's going to have to go to the sidelines, you feel confident that you have somebody there waiting in the wings that if he's pressed into duty, he can handle the job for you. Jose in Newark, he's up next. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Jose? What's up, Dan, man? Call the corner, man. Back to the morgue, man. The Jets got a post. That's the it. Have a post, man. That's all that matters. <laughs> Just have a post. Like, I'm not going to do the job, you know, brain farted or whatever. Look, seasons are made of taking advantage of breaks when they fall your way. They did it yesterday. They um they continue to fight and put themselves in a in a position to capitalize on mistakes. I'm right and I'm not really trying to talk about what Cleveland did wrong. You gotta just give them props. 
for staying in the game. If they would have played like they played week one, they wouldn't have been in a position to win. So you got to take that as a win. But even more so than that, and looking at the weeks ahead, mm-hmm. Cincinnati don't, like, don't, don't look like world beaters right now, not to me. The Steelers ain't. Dolphins look pretty good. But Patriots and Denver, none of them look like world beaters. So you never know. We could come out of this surprising a whole lot of people by week six or week seven. So I'm happy just with the fact that they fought, they gave themselves a chance to win, and they took advantage of an opportunity that presented themselves and they came out with an improbable win. I, I think that's just enough to hang your hat on on week two with a team that's, you know, really trying to find their way. I'm happy with that. My question to you, Dan, yeah. is if we do two or three games going in and you're sitting with a dilemma with a healthy Zach Wilson or a rejuvenated Flacco, what are you going to do? You keep the guy in that's winning games for you or are you going to go with your, with your second-year quarterback? Zach Wilson's the quarterback of this team. When Zach Wilson's healthy, Correct. he will play. Correct. And he is and he look, he's he's healthy. All right. He's if let's say let's say if next week was a playoff game, he'd probably play, but it's not. They want to make sure that he's a hundred and fifty percent okay. So that's why they targeted that Steelers game for week four. And in all probability he's gonna return in, in, in week four. But Joe Flacco, the reason that they brought him back, the reason they're giving him three and a half million dollars is because they feel that he's that he can go and win you football games in a pinch if need be. And you know what? He's already won you one. And you just outlined it, Jose. You have a Cincinnati team who's limping in this week at 0-2. Joe Burrow's been sacked a million times already the first couple of weeks of the season. Who's to say the Jets can't go into Pittsburgh with a 2-1 and record and have your starting quarterback back under center? That's it. And I'm not going to think it too far. For now, we went into someone's home that's a much better team than we are on paper, and we ran away with a win, and that's good enough for me. I don't even think that's an overreaction. I think that's just... You know, you have cake, eat cake, man. Don't question who made it. That's how I feel about it. Bottom line, just eat the cake. When they put it in front of you, you say thank you. Jose, good phone call. Appreciate you. That's what you do. And that's why, look, that's why it's always silly. I mean, we use it as a guide, but it's silly every year when the schedule comes out to play the stupid win-loss game and to look at the schedule and say, oh, well, you know, you can win this. You can win. Because we don't know how these teams are going to be. A schedule stretch that looked like it was daunting when you first laid eyes on it. Now you look at, like, for instance, you know, Jose just brought up that Denver game. Now, now going to Denver is never easy, and the Jets never fare well when they go to Denver. But look at that Bronco team right now. They're lucky to be 1-1. One and one. They almost lost yesterday at home to the lousy, stinking Houston Texans. Nathan Hackett looks like if we're sitting here putting odds, you know, he, he might be one of the first coaches fired. They're not going to fire him in his first year, but he looks so over his head right now. The Broncos, who gave up a gazillion draft choices for Russell Wilson, paid him 200 whatever million dollars, and that offense looks as bad as a fifth-grade peewee football team so far. And the head coach just continues to make just mind-bogglingly dumb decisions. Not exactly the way you want to start your head coaching career. So the point is, like, that's a game that ordinarily you might chalk up as a loss. Now looks certainly more workable for you. I said at the beginning of the year when you had the AFC North team staring you right in the face to begin the season. If you're a Jet fan, you sign up for two and two. And then you take it and you move on. You're one and one. You mean to tell me you can't find a way to split one of the next two games? Cincy? and then possibly going into a Pittsburgh situation that's going to have either Mitchell Trubisky or a rookie in Kenny Pickett maybe making his first career start and a defense 
that's not going to have T.J. Watt and Zach Wilson coming back? I think two and two could be materializing before our very eyes. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Quick timeout. We will get to the Giants, of course, coming up. Dan Gross' show on this Overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. As soon as uh, Chubb scored, you know, we kind of, some people were kind of loafing on the side. Coach Miles comes over, he's like, they just gave us, just, they just gave us our only chance, you know? So um, we go down 30 to 17, and then CD gets a quick touchdown. And, I mean, at, at that point, we're all believing, you know, now it's how we going to get this onside kick. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as they scored, we're like, oh, that was kind of quick, and, and we still got a shot at this, you know? Dan Gross' show here on 98.7 ESPN. That's Garrett Wilson. And, boy, did he have a game yesterday. I, I mean... As good a game that a Jet wideout has had probably since, what, 2015 when he had the year with Marshall and Decker and Fitzpatrick and they rang up all those points. But he looks like he could be special, you know. And you think about what was, you know, what were we talking about all last week? I don't know how many calls I took from fans saying, oh, you know, Garrett Wilson's got to play more. You know, he's got, he's got to get in the game more. Why, why, aren't, why, aren't we, why aren't we targeting Garrett Wilson more? And then the coaches even owned up to that during the week. They're like, yeah, you know, well, you know, he's, he's learning the playbook. You know, we want him to know all the wide receiver positions. My thing is, you know what, if he's one of your best players, get him on the field. Put a package together that works for him that's going to at least allow him to showcase his talents, help you guys move the ball down the field, maybe put some points on the board. Well, at least for one day, it worked and then some. Forget about what he produced. How about 14 targets? Do you realize no other wide receiver was targeted more than five times by Joe Flacco yesterday? That is quite a difference. And right now, I I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, Garrett Wilson might be this team's best wide receiver. And I thought that all throughout the offseason, when we were talking about the Jets and the offense and how everything lines up and all the additions that they made during the offseason, I always felt that Garrett Wilson was a guy who was being forgotten about. It's like he was being lost in the shuffle because, now look, when you have three first-round picks like Joe Douglas ended up acquiring this year, you know, it's a little bit different. It's like a parent that has, like, you know, nine kids or whatever. A couple of them fall through the cracks, and maybe they don't get as much treatment as the other ones do. It happens. But Sauce Gardner, of course, he was the first one, right? He's fourth overall. He's going to get all the attention. Corner, needy position that the Jets have had for quite some time. You know, Jermaine Johnson, a guy they traded back into the first round to get. Pass rusher, you know, you start to think visions of an edge rusher that could reach ha- wreak havoc for this football team. And then it's like, oh, by the way, yeah, there's Garrett Wilson. He was the 10th pick, just a wide receiver. But the Jets already had a couple of good wide receivers on the team. Remember, Elijah Moore was a high draft pick last year. You expect a breakout season from him in year number two. Corey Davis was a guy once upon a time, the fifth pick in the draft for the Tennessee Titans. Signed him to a big free agent contract. Berrios, you re-signed. It's like, oh, by the way, yeah, now we drafted this kid, Garrett Wilson, in the first round. 
And Garrett Wilson might be the best of the bunch already. Might be. And see what he does for an encore. But he's got that type of ability. Nevertheless, it still just drives home again what you knew about this team going into the year that this wide receiver group is as deep as maybe the Jets have had in probably 20 years. 20 years. Lavernius Coles, Santana Moss, Wayne Corbett. Remember when those three guys were playing together? With Pennington in, you know, 2002? That's probably as far back you got to go. And I'm really curious to see what they're going to be able to do for the next 15 weeks and then some. Mike's in Hillside. He's up next, 98.7 ESPN. Michael, how are you? Hey, how's it going, buddy? What's up, Mike? So I just wanted to say, um, I just want to start off with this point. I'm a massive, massive Dolphins fan, and yet two of the most, I would say, annoying memories of my life are now going to be of the Jets. And it all started about 20 years ago. I forget if it was 20, 22 years ago when I was at the Jets-Dolphins game. Monday Night Miracle. Yep, we all know about it, right? And my father Mm -hmm. used to have this song that he would sing, turn out the lights, the party's over. And he said, we're leaving the game. I said, why would we leave? You can't leave. We get out, we get to the, to the concourse, and all of a sudden the Jets score a touchdown. I'm like, Dad, we got to go. It's still two touchdowns. We're not going back. No. Okay, we get out to the, to the parking lot. They score another touchdown. Dad, we just missed everything. And that memory was ingrained forever. Now you come back, fast forward 22 years. Mike, Mike let go- me stop you real quick. Yeah. I never – I, I hate to open a wound again, but I never left my seat that night. <laughs> Please, I was 17 years old. It was a memory I'll never forget. Now you fast forward 22 years. I'm I'm silly. I took the Browns in a survivor pool. Okay, I'm driving. You're in a lot home. of America, probably. Oh, oh, there were out of a thousand people, 350 took the Browns. Oh. So we're. I'm driving home, I'm listening to the game, and I pull into my driveway. Now, I could stay in and listen to the rest of the game, or I can run inside, watch the TV. But I hear the announcer on the radio go, if they get a first down, the game's over. And I hear them say, oh, he gets a first down, the game is over. So I turn off my car. I don't even go to turn on the TV in my house. I just go to the bathroom start watching a little bit of the Dolphins come back and everything like that, which was unbelievable. And then I look at the Jets score and I see the second worst memory of the Dolphins. First leaving the stadium, now losing a survivor, and just unbelievable. But I do have a question for you, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. If Take being a Jets fan out of the equation. Take being Mm -hmm. a Dolphins fan out of the equation. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, what was a more improbable comeback, the Jets game or the Dolphins game? The Jets. It was still the Jets because I know the Dolphins were down three touchdowns in the final quarter and all those things, and I I get that. But look at the real estate they had to work with. They had a whole quarter. The Jets literally had less than two minutes, right? And everything had to go exactly their way. Tua is not a great quarterback, and the way that game was going, I mean. Well, neither. let's put it this way, Mike. Neither one of them is a proposition that you want to find yourself in if you're a football team. You don't want to be faced (laughs) with either one of those predicaments. But if you're asking me which one was more improbable, it has to be the Jets. Like we were talking about it earlier, ESPN had Cleveland's win probability at 99.9% with two minutes left in that game. 
And you want to hear something funny? I looked at the Dolphins, going back to the Dolphins for one last second, I'm a betting man, so I looked at the Dolphins in-game betting for the Dolphins to win the game in the fourth quarter when they were down by the four touchdowns. You could put down 100 bucks to win 3500 at that point. And, of course, I backed off. I didn't do it because I'm a Dolphins fan and you never bet with your team. <laughs> Well, you know what, though? Bottom line is you got to win. Maybe you reevaluate things moving forward. Mike's thanks for the phone call. You get back to us. They were both crazy. And there was a lot of – I mean, think about how many crazy endings there were in the NFL yesterday. And we'll get to them all, of course, when we go around the league coming up a little bit later on. And I'll tell you, looking ahead to next week, big one in the AFC East. Buffalo going down to South Beach to take on the Dolphins. That game could be for first place early on here in the division. And by the way, Buffalo has owned the Dolphins the last few years. Owned the Dolphins. But that was that was a crazy one. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We'll get to the Giants coming up at 8 o'clock to start hour number two. Dan Grass's show on this Overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Stream live sports and original content with ESPN Plus today. You get access to the award-winning 30 for 30 library, unrivaled UFC access, including exclusive pay-per-views, live coverage of 35 PGA Tour events each year. So get the ESPN Plus and Disney Plus bundle today. Watch ESPN Originals, the 30 for 30s, the entire Disney and Marvel library, and more. Stream anytime, anywhere. Go to ESPNNewYorkBundle.com to learn more Dan Gross's show right here on 98.7 ESPN. It is an overreaction Monday. We'll get to the Giants coming up at 8 o'clock. They, of course, have themselves another quality victory yesterday. Doesn't matter how beautiful it was, it's a win. Score one more point to the other team. You take that win. You put it in your pocket. Wins do not go bad, especially in this league. I'm, I'm curious, though. I, I just want to get the pulse of you know fans out there. Let's just say for argument's sake. If Chubb doesn't score, right, maybe he goes out of bounds, slides down, whatever, and the Jets lose the game 24-17, to 17, what kind of conversation are we having today? What's the theme of the show? I don't know if we're leading with the Jets. Maybe we're leading with the Giants tonight instead because they actually won. Jets are going to be 0-2. And I'm sure that most fans are still going to be, you know, foaming at the mouth, same old, same old. Talk tough, talk a good game. You know, Robert Sala, the receipts comment, unable to back it up. This team just isn't good enough. And as I told you, I thought that they were wearing down in the fourth quarter, right? And especially when it came to that running game. Cleveland was really putting the finishing touches on this. They were winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. And that's when you want to exert your will, and especially when you have a two-headed monster like the Browns have at the running back position with Hunt and Chubb. You know, having both of those guys, you wear a team out for three quarters, and then when the fourth quarter arrives, that dam is going to burst. And that's kind of what looked like was happening to me for the Jets. So I'm curious, like, is there is there optimism if they fall seven points short, right? What's the tone of the conversation? I don't know how many people would still be sitting here advocating for, you know, Joe Flacco to still remain the starting quarterback. Because it wouldn't have been good enough. It would have only been 17 points on the scoreboard. You say, 17 points, that ain't good enough in the NFL. Got to score more than 17 if you want to win games, especially in this day and age. Speaking of Robert Sala, he was on TMKS earlier today, his weekly spot, every Monday. And he was asked by the guys that in light of the comment made last week about the receipts, if he felt like he had to defend himself in any way. 
it's just one of those deals for me. Like, I've got a lot of faith in our locker room, and I know that each other has faith in each other, too, and I do have faith. You know, in society, there's two types of people. There's those who have faith, and there's those who believe. And people who live in a world of belief have to see things happen before they believe that it can happen. And then there's those who can see things before they happen or know something's possible before it happens, and so they live in faith. Those are people who live in faith, which is probably why God is leaving home. You know, just there's a lot of people in the world nowadays that just have to live in a world of belief. I choose to live in faith. But at the same time, on the flip side, we're also seeing it every single day and we see the players and we see them every single day. And it's just so much faith in these guys that as they get more reps, as they continue to develop, they're going to turn into a really cool group of players. And I thought yesterday, just going 60 minutes with a really good football team, a very underrated football team in Cleveland and Baltimore, I just think that this team has so much more to grow and it kind of flashed a little bit yesterday. Sometimes week two in the NFL is more telling than even week one. As a matter of fact, I think more often than not it is. To where week one is always this big mystery because we don't know how good these teams are, how bad these teams are, because we don't see a lot of them during the preseason. And you have some surprises that take place, like Seattle on Monday night. You know, Seattle stinks. Seattle's not a good team. Geno Smith is not going to lead you where you want to go. All right, but they pulled one out of their you-know-what against the Broncos last week. And then last, and then yesterday, you basically had the universe restoring order, and the Seahawks could not do a damn thing offensively. Geno Smith isn't sitting there about talking about writing back or not writing back the critics. Hopefully he writes them back now because they haven't scored a point in six quarters, that Seattle offense. But neither here nor there. You almost want to put forward a better performance in week two, because it's a little bit further on, and you think, okay, maybe this is a little bit more resembling of who we are. You get that bad performance out of the way, or you get the good performance out of the way, and then maybe things revert back to the norm for week two. That's what you take with you moving forward. You know, maybe this is an encouraging step. Maybe this is something that they can learn from now going into this Cincinnati game in week number three against a beat-up Bengals team. You know, right now there's one, two, four teams who are 0-2 that fall into that category in that statistic that I mentioned earlier in the show. Since the NFL expanded to seven playoff teams in each conference back in 2020, no team that has started 0-2 has made the playoffs. So Cincinnati, the Raiders, Carolina, and Atlanta are 0-2 to start the season. Tonight you could have another team that drops into that fold. If Tennessee does not beat Buffalo, they could become 0-2. You don't want to dig yourself that early hole. You know, not to say that it's impossible. Remember, the Giants won a Super Bowl in 2007, starting 0-2. But especially for a team like this that needs any sort of positivity and good vibes that they can get, it was a big one yesterday. Speaking of positivity, speaking of good vibes, Giants have picked up a couple here in the first two weeks of the season. We'll talk about them coming up next. Dan Grosser Show, Overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN.